everybody, I'm Chris and with me is Matt and we're slowing down to better connect with the stories and the people around us between the miles. Matt, good to talk with you, man. I mean, all these guests, all these uh, friends that we're forming through this podcast, uh, you know, all these uh, people who are jumping on and listening, um, we're, I, I am grateful uh, for them to join this journey and I'm really excited um, about uh, today's guest. But before we jump into that, how are things in, in your neck of the woods? You know, there's something that I've noticed in all of the, the guests that we've had so far. Um, mm-hmm. And Greg is no different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, they all lead with giving. Like mm-hmm. all of these people have been like, I mean, you know, you can see me right now, no one else can see me, but it's just like, I'm just so overwhelmed with um people that have found things that they're passionate about and they're just looking to provide value to the people they serve right and they get yeah they they get to do that in something that just fills their cup and and greg is just uh man that this is this was awesome Yeah, and, and I really enjoyed his energy um, and his enthusiasm and everything. And, and you know, one thing a lot of people might not recognize about how we do this show is, um, and, and maybe you've picked up on, on on it here or there, but we record a bunch of these interviews ahead of time, and so we we will go through um, uh, these conversations. And Matt and I, like we we talk about these on the runs or you know when we're uh, doing uh, some of these recordings. And our minds are just swimming and we're like, man, we're meeting these like thought provoking people. And uh, it, it's it's kind of wild with that. But uh, uh, yeah, Greg is uh, no exception to uh, the amazing people that we've been having on the show. And so Matt, uh, let's not further delay this. Uh, everyone here is Greg Papa Nicholas. All right, Greg, man, it's been a while. What's up? Not much, man. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys and, and Matt. It's been a it has been a long time. We uh we certainly have crossed paths on social, but man, it's good to see your face and, and good to do this with you, man. Excited yep. about it. A lot more gray hair in our beards. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. When it gets longer, it gets grayer. So if I can trim it, we won't be as gray. <laughs> Matt, you're not supposed to reveal how old we are on this show. It's an audio podcast for a reason, because we want people to imagine how good looking we are as this goes on, right? So, Yeah, that's for sure. Except uh, this social media thing is, it's, uh, you know, it's, we're, we're not going to be able to escape it. So might as no. well just, yeah. Just oh, all right. All right. Um, so, yeah. So, <clears throat> Greg, man, like, you know, we go back well over a decade at this point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I still remember pretty vividly, you know, we met at the Football America Sports International Warehouse early yep. in our careers, um, you know, working with the football camps, uh, with NFL players, mm-hmm. right? But then, right, for me, right, and I think it probably affected you as well, the, the recession hit, created mass layoffs, just, yep. you know, like, what was, what was, if you could take us back, what was yeah. life like at that point? Like, what direction did that take in? Yeah, because, you know, that's the thing that's interesting, Matt, is like when when the recession hit, and then I'm trying to look for other opportunities elsewhere, because again, like in a, in a, in a, in a job like that, that was based on sales, that was based on, you know, a lot of driven value from families and a lot of people that, you know, were hit hard during that time period. 
And then I realized I was like, well, maybe I should go with a safe bet. And I'm thinking the first thing I'm thinking is number one government, number two, or, you know, teaching. And I'm like, you know what? I always, when I was coaching, I was always thinking I wanted to teach and I knew a lot about history. So I was like, let me try this. So I go into history and, you know, do a little bit of that for a little while and then moved into special education. And I think at that point, you know, everything had turned around, you know, in the economy, but at the same time, like it wasn't lighting me, lighting me up like the things, you know, that we were doing before, just because it was so much, there was so much, there was so much more real interaction. There was so much more connection there. And it was so different when you stepped into a school because there's a lot of politics at play and you have to impress people. And there's this pecking order and all this stuff that like is really rigid about the school system. So I figured, you know, I need a little bit more freedom. And then, you know, figuring out how to do that was the long road, you know, towards, you know, the coaching. So I decided eventually to um, leave teaching. This was last, oh gosh, over, I guess it would be, would have been November. So as soon as, um, COVID hit, it was almost like they were trying to push everybody back in, which was pretty premature, but I figured like, okay, well, maybe I'll go back. And then they told me I was going to be working with some people that, uh, let's see, well, I'm in special education. So they said, well, one student bites. And I'm like, I'm excuse me, one student, what? <laughs> They're like one student bites. Yeah. I was like, okay. Um, I'm not just worried about bringing home something to my wife who has asthma. I think I need to rethink this whole teaching thing. Yeah. And then at that point I was like, look, you know, this is, this is probably not for me right now. And since I'm kind of being strong armed into going back, I was like, you know what, let's, let's, let's head in another direction. And I'd already sort of built the company. So it was a getting ahead was important to me there, but once I made the jump, it was well worth it. Yeah. So let me, let me ask when that, situation occurred Mm -hmm. did you feel panic was there like excitement or just kind of an array of emotions like because i I think a lot of us have been put in that Mm -hmm. situation not just because of the pandemic but um just in general where we're kind of forced to make this decision right so if you could if you don't mind just telling us a little bit about the thought process that went into that yeah absolutely so when i when i first got the news i you know that i was gonna be heading back so prematurely, I said, well, you know, I got to make this move sooner or later. And when I made the move and I put the two weeks notice in, that was probably the only moment where I thought, oh God, what have I done? But as I realized and thought about it later that night and was really trying to run through scenarios in my head, I go, as long as I'm providing for people a a, a valuable service to them, I'm going to be fine. Because I wasn't at that time, I wasn't so much focused on like, okay, what am I going to do about money? I was like, let me just provide value up front, give as much stuff to people as I want and as they need, and we'll see where it goes. And like throughout that process, it's like you're seeing sort of the, the, just everything come back to you. The universe just kind of feeds that, that, you know, uh, just everything that you're expecting. You're like, oh, you know, I'm putting in all this work and I'm, I'm getting value back from people. And I'm like, I, I didn't think that it was going to build that fast, but it was almost like when people heard that they were just like, I want to be a part of this. And, and it was like, it was almost like I got like 10 
clients in like a week's time. And I was like, Oh, okay. I did make the right decision. <laughs> you know? So it was like, it was a slow process at first, a little worried, a little bit anxious, but then as stuff started to kind of, you know, come in and, and a little bit more, it put me a little bit more at ease when I knew that there, that, that there could be plenty of stability in something like this because it's something that people need coaching and, and fitness and nutrition and all these things. So I figured, well, okay, you know, this is something that's definitely never going to go away, mm -hmm. you know, and I knew that I could provide value in that sphere. And that's, you know, that's that, those were the emotions that I was kind of dealing with, but I would say excitement has probably been, <laughs> you know, the, the, the feeling in the last couple of months. So, so where is like, so project Sparta, right? It, yeah. it, it, it didn't just start when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Right. So take us back a bit to yeah. even maybe, maybe even before that, like where did this fitness nutrition mindset journey or transformation begin for you? Yeah. So really Matt, where it was at the start was when I was working in the school, I was helping a lot of the, uh, the kids out after school with weight training and conditioning and things like that, because it was really the only time where I felt like I can provide more value than I was giving in the, in the school because it was my own. It was something that I could create for them, you know, and, and something that I can take ownership over and giving back like that, especially when, you know, these kids, especially the South Arlington, Virginia kids that, you know, would probably get in trouble if they weren't, you know, in the school and, keeping them for those three hours before they go home and see their parents was like, that was a huge thing for them. I know because you become like this, you become like this parent to them, you know, in live and in person in that school, because, you know, you become the de facto person that's looking after them. And, you know, I felt like at that time, that was pretty much going to be what I was going to do for the time being. And then uh, started just kind of, helping out people in the gym for free, just pro bono, just seeing what they needed. And I realized it was like, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I should just, you know, try to, uh, try to turn it into a business, try to see where it goes. And then right around the time, I believe it was, I want to say 20, 2014 or 2015 was when I was really starting to get the ball rolling on how it was going to look and, and what I was going to provide. And I got to be honest from the start of it, I mean, it, it, it looked just like a typical, you know, 90s fitness program. I was sending them, you know, Excel spreadsheets and, you know, like anything I could give them up front that, that I could provide was great, but it was like, it didn't have, it just, it just didn't have that, that, that flashy, you know, appearance, that, that logo, that, you know, um, those core values, nothing was developed yet. Like I didn't have anything planned. I just knew that I knew what I knew and how to provide it, but I didn't know what it looked like. So as, you know, the months went by, I started developing some ideas about how I wanted it to look. And I knew that I had the experience just in building programs. So I'm like, let's just give this a shot. Let's see where it goes. And, you know, from the start, all the people in the community were like, where have you been? Like, you should have been doing this. I'm like, I know <laughs> it took a while, but now I know. And I just think eventually that that became sort of obvious to me that, you know, this was just delayed in a sense, just had to, had to start it, had to do it, had to actually put things into action. Yeah. So, so, right. Um, you, 
you make this reference to like the nineties gym, right? So yeah. again, once again, showing our age, right? Um, but, but at the same time, right? I've got like this picture in my head, right? Of like the gold's gym tank, right? Like bench pressing on like Venice beach, right? Yeah. When you say that, that's like what comes to mind for right. me. Right. But who, like, who do you, who do you find yourself serving? Like, is it the whole spectrum? Is, is there like a particular clientele? Like, how, how does that work? You know, what's interesting is uh, my wife and I were having this conversation the other day. She goes, how is it you've managed to build a business around 75% women as your clientele and still put out all of that rough and tough stuff you're putting out on social media where you're benching 390 pounds. You're like, what, what, how do you do it? I was like, I don't really know if it's more the energy I put out, the type of, you know, uh, content I put out. Um, but it, it, it seemed like the women were the first to say, I need help. They were more upfront in saying it. Whereas the men would be more like, well, I don't know, not sure, still trying to decide. I don't know, maybe I can do it myself. And that's the separation a lot of times with guys. And that's not to say that most guys are like that. It's just that women tend to say, I need help and I'm gonna go get it. Whereas, you know, men are a little bit more, well, I could do it, I could build my own. I don't need you. Thanks, Greg. Yeah, like I can <laughs> figure it out. I'll, I'll just exactly. watch a video. Yeah. Right. Um, so that, that that's really interesting that you said 75% of your clients are, are women. Um, when, when you were kind of setting out, uh, you started with, with, with kids, with teenagers, with young yeah. people, right? And it, it evolved into adults. Like when you think about your ideal, not ideal client, but like the person you would love to reach, yeah. Like, who is that? Who are you like, in a way, evangelizing this, uh, you know, your organization to like, um, and your, your mindset and your philosophy to who, who, who would you love to reach? That's the interesting thing is like, right now, when I put material out, I'm, I'm specifically looking for men my age, or I'm looking for the, the types of, you know, men that are coming out of college, and they're trying to figure things out. And maybe they're trying to look you know, to start a business for some short, some sort. So like, I'm like, kind of in that same like 20s, 30s, um, you know, age group where it's kind of like they're, they're one group is kind of really trying to develop this uh, character and develop their habits and develop, you know, good core values coming out of, you know, situations where they're in college, and they're trying to figure the world out. Because I was doing that, you know, I was doing that with the kids and trying to help them transition a little bit. And then, you know, with, with men my age, it was more like, ah, you know, been married for a while, just trying to get those, you know, pounds off and just needed some, a little bit of help. So it's kind of, it was kind of like a combination of those age groups and a combination of the people really looking to make not only changes with their physical bodies, but again, uh, you know, just, just changes in general, just uh, habits, just making sure that like, you know, you're able to get up in the morning and have some kind of morning routine uh, and then a night routine. And then where things seem a little bit more, you seem a little bit more in control of your day uh, because I was, you know, a pretty right brain guy for a while. I just kind of felt things through and just, how am I feeling today? Let me try this. It didn't really make a lot of sense to me because then, you know, later on I was like, well, how, 
where the results and I realized was like really have to put effort into it and put a schedule together and start doing things in a more orderly fashion and that's whenever all this took off I'm trying to help guys do that because again like you know if if there's nothing in front of you no paper no schedule like you're just I mean you're you're running around confused anxious with a chicken with your head cut off and a lot of those guys that are in their 20s that really haven't developed those habits yet they come out of college they're just used to you know partying and you know, I really don't have anything to sink their teeth into as far as a schedule because I haven't been working yet that's kind of what I wanted to help them so it's it's a combination of that a little bit more like you know trying almost like life coaching for the younger younger 20s and and a little bit more fitness and um, fitness coaching and, and uh, helping the men out uh, just with some other other things in life that they may need help with so that is, that's like two different dynamics. Cause like, as you were talking about them, I'm envisioning myself coming straight off the campus of WVU and like mm-hmm. just literally six years of an extension of college, more or less. Right. It, when we were in yep. that warehouse at, right. at uh, football, American sports international. And, you know, it, it, it took a big career shift for me to really start changing my mindset and who I was. And then even after that, like I found myself out of shape, right. As a former athlete and all these different things. And to your point, it was like small habits done consistently over time made all those changes, but how many guys or girls are having trouble getting off the couch, right? Like everything, right. Handheld phones, um, binging television now, right? Like you don't have to wait a week to watch your favorite show for the most part. So how, how do you like connect with two different audiences, very uniquely different audiences, you know, like, and, and have each of them showing up in your world at this point? Yeah. You know, it's, it's the attitude changes are different. It's, it's the been there, done that crew. And then it's the, you know, it's, it's almost like the been there, done that crew is kind of lost it in such a way because they become so involved in their job that everything else outside of that job is just secondary they're not even thinking about it so their their fitness and health is is secondary because they're so focused on that one avenue of their life and whereas you know the people the people in their 20s are just trying to figure life out in general so when they're when they're building from a place of i don't know what direction to go in at all well then that's almost like a clean slate whereas somebody from that's been married 35, you know, is, is probably so entrenched in their, in their career that they're not even thinking about, oh my gosh, you know, what have I been eating for the past three years? And it's, I went through the same thing as when we were, you know, at sports international, I, we go straight to the, we go straight to the fast food. I mean, that's cause it was available and we knew that we had to get back and get to work. So it was yeah. like, we, it was, it, it was such a, we were still in that college mode. Like you said, as soon as we got out, it was like, we were still trying to study and, and pull all nighters because we did a lot of times we had to work late and work weird hours and then, you know, eat horribly. And then I'm like, well, I wish I didn't do that, but it's still <laughs> that it's like that learning process you talked about. It's like, it has to be, there has to be a, a big changeover in attitude or some, you know, God forbid event that makes you go, Holy crap. 
I really got to get some changes done because I don't want to go down this road any longer. It's going to affect my health. It's going to affect everything, even my relationships, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, I'm sure Chris can attest this, you know, uh, and I know I can, right. I, I can think back to like a pivotal, a pivotal um, decision or career, whatever it was like that sent me down my path and things that had happened in my life that got me to where I am today. Was there like a moment like that for you, right? Where you were really able to start putting it all together. Like, was there like some light bulb moment for you? Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that's one of the things that I've been talking about more, but have been reluctant to talk about. I went through a mental breakdown in 2012. Mm. And when that happened, a lot of things, it was almost like a crescendo of, okay, you're going, you're burning the candle at both ends with your health and your work. You're taking on too much responsibility. You got a kid on the way. You're trying to buy a house. It was like, everything came together and one big explosion and well, I should say implosion. <laughs> and then like, at that point I was like, you know what? Something's got to change. And what happened was it was like, instead of leading your world, somebody leading you by the nose and telling you where to go and, and you should do this, you should do that and suggesting things. I never developed my own path. I never set forth my own intention and said, I'm going to go do this and I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to go execute it. You know, just that simple change of intention, because that's the thing is like, that was, I wasn't even thinking about the next move. I would just say, well, what's the easiest? What's the thing that's going to give the result quickest? What's the thing that I really don't have to put the mileage into, but I can just immediately benefit from it. And that was the problem, the, the way I was stuck. And so I finally figured, okay, now we're going to change that. We're going to scrap that. We're going to completely change that whole attitude. We're going to say, let's plan for something long-term. Let's build it. You know, And that was where Sparta came in. I was like, you know, I'm pretty good at this. I might as well give it a shot. And that's, you know, when you see the results of it, you go, oh. And then you hit your head a couple of times. You go, this thing should have been done years ago. But again, you have to go through those changes or some kind of event or some kind of realization, like you said. And then something clicks and then all of a sudden the intention changes. And then your attitude changes. You build your confidence because the work obviously comes before the confidence. It's like, you got to actually do the work and see the result of the work. And then the confidence comes. And then after that, it's, just, it's almost like you're not working on the business. You're working in the business and you feel like there's a flow. And then just a, a complete, complete change in how you, you know, developed your attitude. And just, it's, it's amazing how that, that change occurs just from one change of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can really appreciate that, right? Because, uh, and, and Matt, you're, you're, you're right. There, there are these moments, these, these breakthrough moments or these breaking moments, however uh, you come to them. Um, but I'm sure, you know, Greg, and you mentioned this before, there are people who come to you for a variety of reasons, right? They just want to shed pounds. They're looking to get fit um, and everything like that. When, um, when you see the potential in them or because you have this wisdom, right? Like, you know that, results will come there's patience it's the long game and everything like that and what what type of obstacles do you help your clients you know break through and how like what are 
what are ways that you help them? I mean, we can't force someone to make that decision, but what are ways that you facilitate that type of environment or situation so that they can let go and focus on the long game, just like you were talking about? You know, what's interesting is like the, the big thing that I started doing in these, I mean, I basically call them interviews. I don't look at them as sales calls because like I'm pretty much trying to figure out how I can help the person first. And when I speak to them, I'm asking a lot of open-ended questions. I'm not trying to get answers on the surface. I'm looking at them from like a perspective of what do you really want instead of, you know, trying to lose 10 or 15 pounds. What is the reason that you really want to do this and lose these pounds? And then it goes a little deeper. They start talking about, you know, how their kids' friends make fun of them, how, you know, fat they are. And then, you know, you start getting, you know, with women, it's a lot of, well, my husband doesn't look at me the same way he did. Then you get a little bit deeper and it's like, man, you start to develop these, this appreciation for the process of someone having the courage to come to you and tell you all this, because it's so hard even to, to admit that you want to make the surface changes. Now imagine trying to peel all that back and go in deep inside and figure out, oh God, now I got to tell this person all of this, all this information. And I guess I've had that sort of presence in these phone calls to like bring that out of people, have a warm, welcoming presence so that they would start giving me those real, you know, meaningful reasons as to why they want to change. It's different with everybody, you know, but at the core, it's, I don't like the way I look or feel and I want to change it. And so it's almost become like, let's go from this old identity of this person you were before. Now, you may not even recognize this person that you are at the end of this, but it's, you're going to be different because again, it's shift, it's alchemy, it's everything that changes, you know, from that dark period for someone into the light, you become this new being and you start living with intention and, and everything has a purpose and everything starts to make sense. And it's like, man, and that just started with like, you wanting to shed some pounds. And that's how it happens a lot of times because it just starts with appearance and then people, you know, go deeper into the, into the, into the mind and they've discovered things that during the process and even in the program where they're like, my goodness, like now I, I stuff came up that I didn't anticipate. Yeah. And so I always want to help them do that. Yeah. It really makes you think like, you know, how there's the adage, you can't judge a book by its cover, but how closely connected the, the book and the cover are, right? Like, yes. you know, if we're not, and, and Grant, you don't want to judge someone on their outward appearance, but when you're judging your own appearance, it's yep. because of something deeper inside that's radiate, radiating out on that. So yep. when we're looking in the mirror, as cliche as this might sound, we're, we're actually looking deeper than yep. what we see on the surface. Right. And it's really interesting you say that because a lot of these people have relationships with people in their lives that they're, they're almost the ones that are holding the mirror up uh, to the person they're in the relationship with. And they're reflecting back the negative things that they see in themselves. And so they, when they start to see that, they start to make the changes, then the people in their lives are affected by it. So, oh God, you know, I don't know if, you know, my boyfriend likes this new me. He's threatened by it. That's happened before too. It's almost like it changes the whole dynamic, even in families, it changes the family dynamics. And, but in a positive way, when that happens, 
kids are affected. They see that example before them. They see, you know, dad's doing well, mom's doing well. They're putting in the effort. They're getting the results. They look healthy. They look happy. And it, it, you know, monkey see monkey do they're affected by it tremendously. And I think that's a big thing. And that's mostly when these women, I mean, like I've, I've cried with these women over the phone because they've had these breakdowns of really it comes down to the kids when they start talking about how this will affect the next generation it's it goes pretty deep and emotional and then you you definitely understand what the bigger uh, implications are and and what they want to change which is good that's awesome yeah it's it's funny when you mentioned that it, it got me thinking um you know recently uh during covid we've really leaned into the power of small moments in our family and one of the things that, you know, we've incorporated is, you know, having like a family game night. And so we had this, uh, you know, Christmas present for my mom where it's like, you know, you go on these adventures, but it's just a book, right? And you like yeah. scratch it off and it tells you the adventure. And one of them was, you know, use your house to curate a museum tour. Yeah. And so my, my daughter, right, who's, uh, you know, eight going on nine she's the curator. So she like goes around the house, figures things out, takes us through every room. And we get to the room that I'm in now and we've got our bookshelf with all our books. Yeah. And so she's curating to us and, and she goes, and here's, um, here's our bookshelf. This is like, you know, all the books we read. My dad's a reader. And like my wife and I both cracked up because quite honestly, right? Like my wife is the reader in the family. I have like just begun, but it's, because I've leaned so heavily into those habits that she's seeing those things, right? So what you're talking about is, is so true, right? That, that the next generation sees everything we do. They are insane sponges. And um, like, do you have any, any clients or testimonials that have come back to say like, you know, something similar, right? Where like all of a sudden, I can't believe it. My, my son or my daughter asked me to go and, you know, do this with me. Yeah. That's, and that's interesting. You say that because like the, the ripple effect that occurs ripples to the kids in a way that they start to emulate and they emulate it in a way where I, the one example is my, my, probably the, my longest client right now, as far as term, uh, she has been with me for a little bit, like a year and a half now. And, um, her daughter started going with her to the gym she's you know a little older at 17 and she's been going with her every week and she's starting to see those changes and then you know a, a cousin of hers noticed these changes so and she just had a kid so she's going with her and it's like it's they're almost converging and helping each other out at a time where had nothing changed who knows what would have happened and you know again we get so lost with our lives and and so entrenched in the daily grind that you know we're, we're not thinking of these other things and when when health comes up and you and you see the uh a lot of people suffering in that area you're like man you know something's got to be done because it's like this reflects in your work too like you're not going to perform the way you want to perform if if you're not feeling good and then your kids aren't going to do well in school they're not going to utilize their developing brains if they're not you know, getting the healthy food and, and not active. And that's, you know, that's the thing about the Zoom stuff is that every time 
you know, my son takes a break. I'm like, all right, let's go. We're outside. <laughs> it's like immediate. And I really think that's important, especially now. But, you know, when, when things start opening up again, will that change or will that stay the same? We don't know. We just know that there's an appetite for it now. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain that, you know, people are going to really, they're going to really start to embrace more of, more of a holistic approach to their life. I think at least that's what I'm hoping. So, so for our listeners, right, we, we, so far we've been talking for probably 25, 30 minutes and I don't think we've actually addressed, right. Like project Sparta. So, Mm -hmm. so tell us, right. Like we have right Mm -hmm. indirectly, but tell us about project Sparta. Like what's the mission vision values that drive the every day. You know, really the, the mission is more of a mental focused strength training program. So I'm really focused on the mindset outside of not just the training, but what happens when you leave and cross that threshold, you know, outside the gym, when you go back to your house, what happens then it's, and when I say holistic, that holistic approach, it's looking at fitness and the gym, not as a crutch anymore. It's looking at it as a tool. What are the things we're learning about our own bodies, about progress, about injuries, about, you know, getting nicked up and having to come back? And how is that reflecting in the things we're doing outside, you know, in our, our careers and our relationships? How's that affecting that? And when they're, when they're connected in that way, you start to realize like this, this whole thing is holistic. This is not just fitness. This isn't just nutrition. It's life, but it's, we cannot, if we're ever going to mitigate, you know, this, mental health crisis and this obesity crisis, they, they gotta be, they gotta be merged. Like we, we can't separate the mental and the physical it's, it's, they're, they're so heavily connected and the body and the mind are so heavily connected that we have to attack it in that way. We have to attack it at the same time because people are just using the gym as an escape. Most of the time they're using it as a, I just need to forget about things. What's going to happen when you leave the gym? You're just going to be, be right back to where you were. And those, you know, positive chemicals in the brain only last for a little while. So what happens then? And it's, it's building from a place of holistic strength training and actually taking the approach that there needs to be a focus on the mental side just as much as the physical side. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, right. So when I, when I think physical and outside the gym, obviously diet is a huge part of that, right. Sleep, things like that. How about mental? Like, what are some of the things that you prescribe to your clients or suggest that they like take on to help them, you know, be, uh, be holistic, um, like you're saying. Yeah. I think visual visualization has been a big thing, especially in the, um, in what I do right now. Um, as far as, you know, 10 devoted minutes, which I prescribe to them, like, imagine what it's going to feel like, what are the colors inside the gym? What's the bar going to feel like? Uh, who are the people that are there? Are they, you know, friendly? Are they staring at you? What, like, it's almost like you're trying to paint the picture for them. And then, so there's a little bit more, they're a little bit more prepared and they're not so put off by things, you know? especially in the gym, because it could be a pretty intimidating place. But like, especially when it's dealing with uh, the gym, people get really, 
they get really nervous. They get really anxious to go back and have to do all this over again. Um, and I think that's the one big way that uh, vis visualizations helped for them. And also I utilize uh, energy work, which is a lot, it's kind of like meditation, but it's more for building up muscle tension and building up energy for exercise so that you can get under the bar, you know, and, and, and actually use the muscles in more of a, more of a controlled way rather than just getting under there and just start squatting. It's, it's a devoted 30 minutes to actually building tension up in the body. And that's the, the place where I'm kind of doing a little bit more research and studying into the, into the body and meditation, because I want to want to try to build a method so that people can utilize that muscle tension and get under the bar and feel like they're almost as stiff as the bar. You know, it's almost like it's building up so much uh, uh, energy on the inside and then you can't leave like that. Like you can't leave the gym with all that energy and built up muscle tension. Cause it's just going to be, you know, you're going to be like powder keg, but you know, to, to release that muscle tension again in meditation and calm yourself down again. Uh, that's a big part of the mental side too. So when I say mental side, there's all, all these different methods that I'm trying to build uh, and utilize and create so that the gym becomes more of an experience and not just a place to go to lift, you know? Mm -hmm. So what ways, right? Like I, I heard the word gym in there multiple yeah. times, right? What ways were you having to connect your clients to fitness during the pandemic? Right. Like his, I mean, I saw testimonials from Virginia, from Texas, right. From all over yeah. and not everyone had access to a gym. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's a lot of people out there that might be listening to this at some point. And thinking, well, I don't belong to a gym. I don't, you know, I don't even know how the, you know, to take the first step off the couch. So like, how are you connecting with people at this point when they couldn't utilize the gym? You know, what, what's funny is that's when the business took off. As soon as the gyms closed down, people were looking for home workouts and a way to utilize that. And for me, it was like, I mean, I'd been building programs for people since day one, you know, these adults that were doing stuff at home too. And I was like, you know what, this, even, even if you don't have the equipment, there's so much more you can do that you're not thinking about. I mean, just the, just an isometric hold, which is just a, a, a bending at the knees and holding a squat. You actually increase your strength that way, believe it or not. There's, there's science behind it that the ISO holds, holding there in a, in, a, in a squat position or even doing a, a wall sit, which God, everybody hates those, but they work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, in the meantime, is they're not, they're not able to, to actually hit any weight resistance as far as a bar and a, and a weight. But, you know, if you buy bands, there's your resistance. So you have resistance in the form of bands, which are pretty cheap. If you buy a couple of kettlebells, you got your uh, warm up taken care of and, and a couple of movements with your arms and legs. And then, you know, as far as doing something like a body weight exercise, I mean, there's whole programs, you know, developed for body weight. So there's a ton of stuff you can utilize and really 80% of it is diet to begin with. So as long as nutrition is dialed in, then the activity is the cherry on top. I mean, that's, that's the bonus. Uh, if you can dial in your nutrition, you've already gotten, three quarters of the way there almost. Uh, 
Um, and a, a way to think about it is if, if I'm going to be spending X amount of hours sitting, how many hours do I need to start utilizing walking and activity and just physical activity in general? People were dropping weight, just walking and changing their nutrition. I mean, they're 30 pounds off from walking and changing their nutrition. Didn't even need to touch a kettlebell. And so these people that were in, you know, Massachusetts, that were in New York, that were in, you know, uh, uh, Colorado, they were able to uh, shed a lot of fat just from doing walking and hiking and exercises at home. And it's amazing what could be utilized. You don't think about it, you know, but, but the results were there for them just because they did it every day and they didn't stop. Yeah. Well, it just, it amazes me how solitaire we were. Right. Yeah. And, um, and how much like once you become active, you know, getting those steps in and, you know, just moving around and everything like that, how much, uh, how much you feel like you've missed. Right. And, and you catch up, catch up on and being active. Um, but like the, the other part that, um, really has been striking me that what you've been talking about are just these results. Right. And, and so the power of testimony is huge on your site. There are like, there are pictures before and after pictures, you know, and, um, and I'm sure, uh, you know, many of your clients have just been sharing with you like, Hey, because of this, this has changed and everything like that. What can you tell us a little bit about the, the, um, is that something that you encourage the, the power of sharing their story? Um, and, uh, and, and what that does, not just for them, uh, not just for others, but for them as, themselves as well. Yeah, that's, and that's probably been the, the most rewarding thing about this is that like, when you get to tell their story, it's so much bigger than just seeing the before and after, you know, the, those photos are what they are. We've seen them before. Everyone's seen them. They're all over. But when you get to see the story, when you get to read about them, uh, you start to realize what they were really in it for and what they got out of it. And especially with the testimonies, it's true. It's from the heart. That's why, you know, when I ask them to do it, they jump at the chance or they tell me that I'm going to give you one. Um, and most of the time there's no script. They just go directly, you know, to the, to the heart. And for the ones that need the script, it's because they're like, Oh, but what if there's so much emotion that I just start rambling and rambling and rambling? I need parameters. I'm like, just speak from the heart, you know? And that's, there, there's, when you, when you start to see that it's, you know, affecting things on a deeper level, it's affecting their families, it's affecting their relationships. Again, it's, it's why I do this. It, it, the stories themselves are incredible. And, you know, that's been probably the biggest change just in the business it, that it went from, you know, just meal, meal plans and, and fitness to this. I mean, it, it completely morphed into something larger than I ever thought it would uh, because we have a stigma with, with fitness coaches. We think it's all guys with, with abs trying to sell you stuff. When in reality, the, the deeper this gets and the more people that need help, the more they realize that this is something that starts a whole, whole series of changes and habits and, and in a way that some coaches may not utilize and, and may not even think about. Uh, but the ones that have been around people and realized and heard stories and see how they have, you know, they're affected. I think they take on a whole new meaning, you know? Yeah. So, 
So I think we're, we're catching a theme here, right? There's, there's not only feeding the body, yeah. right? With the strength training and nutrition, but there's feeding the mind as well. And so when I think about that, you know, I think about, you know, what are the ways, and, and you've talked about it from a fitness perspective, right? So if, if there aren't ways outside of that, totally cool. But I mean, are there books that you're recommending to people, um, you know, meditation, yoga, like different things that feed the mind um, that could be something that even before the fitness journey begins, some of our listeners could even just take that first step of, of maybe some of the top books that you've been recommending or, or top things they could be doing there. Yeah. You know, Matt, when I, when I learned about uh, Andy Frazella, who was this guy um, who owns a supplement company, he came out with a book called 75 hard and his, his practical solutions are really helpful for the people that, really need that sort of left brain training as far as like putting forth a list every day that you want to utilize and check off putting he calls it the power list and it's actionable steps toward a goal any goal you want to meet for that week or that month but it's tasks it's not they're not written down as goals they're written down as tasks actionable steps i need to take in order to reach that goal so that's the more practical stuff. And then he does, you know, habit, uh, habit forming sort of um, programs like 75 hardware, he develops these checklists for things like, hey, you know, you need to do two 45 minute workouts a day, drink a gallon of water. Um, what was the other one? Read 10 pages of something that's not fiction. So something that will help your business or something reality-based that'll help you go forward in your, your career and stuff like that is more practical, but when it comes to like strategy and, and, uh, creativity and things like that, I tend to, to really lean towards the, the mentors, um, that are really focused on, um, mental shifts and really try to change attitudes towards yourself um, I guess you could call them self-help, but it's they've kind of become more business-oriented self-help, not life self-help. So they're like, how do I move things forward in my business where I can utilize my talents, not burn out, and do some things on the side that are creative because we get so focused on the daily grind and the left brain stuff that like we're not able to go and paint we're not able to go and create poetry we're not able to go and uh, do these things that like we enjoy music I mean that's one of the biggest things that I've found was a nice break from the grind was when I could do comedy so when I created this 80s character this Vince Bartoli guy <laughs> and just like created this avatar washed up bodybuilder guy that just tells jokes I'm like there's my creative outlet there's something that I can enjoy on the side that feels like a break from all of the administrative stuff that I'm doing in the business, not the coaching, the coaching is awesome, but it's like, you still got to run a business. And when I'm doing that at like 12 o'clock, one o'clock in the morning over and over again for years and years, I'm like, I got to, there's gotta be something. Yeah. 
some kind of creative outlet. And when I discovered the comedy thing, I'm like, that's it. <laughs> you know, so everybody has theirs. All right. So, so we got to, we got, we got to go there. Where, tell, <laughs> tell us about the comedy. You, you, <laughs> yeah. So, so, cause you know, it's like for Matt and I, our outlets, uh, this podcast, right. Um, and uh, I mean, I, we both have amongst other things too, but um, like, I love it. Comedy is such a unique, and I'm a huge comedy fan, comedy yep. nerd and everything like that. So um, I might take us down a, a long tangent and Matt will have to bring us back. But... <laughs> I'm laughing already. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell, how, how does one like tap into that, that comedy world? Like how, how did that all start? Yeah. You know, what's interesting. I, and I don't know if Matt's seen the, the character, but what I've, what I've yeah, done. It, you yeah, have cheesecake I have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tell you, the, the big change, the big change was like, uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you the story about how it originally came about. The the Wonder Woman 1984 was being filmed near us in Virginia. And I was like, ooh, they're calling for a 80s bodybuilder. And there's a scene in the movie where the, you know, the 80s bodybuilders are in there. And I guess the the one that ends up being the foil to Wonder Woman is in there training with them. And I was like, but before that was the role that I was looking for just to be an extra in and I'm like I can do that so I start growing the hair around I shave the beard and it looks like an 80s mustache I'm like oh this is gonna be interesting this looks fun and uh right around the time that it was summertime when they were planning on doing the first couple days of filming uh they emailed back and they said we need somebody who's been in actual shows actual bodybuilding shows I said I haven't worn a Speedo and oiled up, so I can't say that, that I've done that. <laughs> They're like, oh, uh, yeah, we, we, can't, we can't bring you in. I'm like, fine, awesome, totally understand. But I'm like, okay, I did all this. I have this mustache. I have this hair. I have this look. Maybe I'll just make my own movie. And I started asking around, and eventually one of my, uh, uh, actually my sister's ex-boyfriend was an awesome videographer. And he basically created a story for me on a beach boardwalk where I come back to the spot that hasn't changed in 30 years. And it's the only thing I recognize. And the whole time I'm either training or going to the arcade and he builds this whole entire beach sequence in the story. And I, I, we film it as a music video and I put it out and people are like, this is insane. This is great. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, awesome. And then the character just kind of it morphs into this Italian guy from Long Island who was frozen and he's fought out in the modern day and he's pissed off at how the world's changed. And it's just, there's so much nuance there that's been forgotten about. Or like when people hear it, they're like, nobody's talked about that in 30 years. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's like, there's a character there that I was tapping into that was like kind of a little bit of me there, but doesn't come out very often. And I'm like, how can I crank it up to the point where people can't blame me for what the guy <laughs> says? I'm like, ah, create an avatar, create a character. That way they can blame Vince and not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those videos, uh, Chris, I'll have to, uh, share some with you and obviously I'm sure you guys will connect um yeah. you know after this but they're pretty funny um and and I sit there and I'm like 
when is he recording these? Like, you know, because I know I, I've seen Greg. There's normal pictures of Greg. Then there's like Vince Bartoli. And I can't like tell how the heck you you like jump back and forth, but I'm like loving every second of it. Yeah, that's that's the interesting thing about just like in general building the whole business aspect and and all the stuff that goes into it. I had to film that stuff way back three months prior to when I put it on. So I was like, let me just film it now, save it, and you know, not be shooting, creating, editing, you know, one by one, because it just it saves so much time. And I did that. And so that's probably why you saw the jump back of like, hey, Greg, wait a minute. Greg's got a beard now and he's with his kid. And now the next, you know, the next post is like Vince with the mustache. And you're like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> uh, that's too good. That's too good. Um, speaking of going back, right. Uh, yeah. You've you're, you're an influence in so many people's lives um, with, with what you're doing. Who are some of the people that planted seeds in your mind, in your heart, who, who have shaped you a lot and, and, maybe even like, um, you know, uh, were some of the catalysts to launching you on this path that you're currently on? You know, it really, uh, I'd say it was my dad initially, because especially when it came to networking, when it came to meeting people, when it came to just connection, he's, he was such a instrumental person in developing that in me because he was a commercial real estate. He was meeting people all the time. And his thing was bringing parties together he was like this broker of like, almost like a business Cupid for Christ's sake. I mean, it was like, he, he would bring people together that you wouldn't normally think would come together for a business deal. And he was able to do it in such a way that he's still able to do it today. Even when everybody's finding listings online and everything's digital, he's still going out and taking these people out in person and doing it the old way. And I'm like, you got to, change your ways. And he's still not changing his ways. He's still doing it the old way. And it got me almost like it, it got me so used to when I, when I met someone, there was an impression I left on them. I shook hands. I looked them in the eye. I, I presented myself in a way that people remembered, you know, rather than, you know, when, when you go through college and you go through and everything's just, so you're just passing people, right? And you're really not connecting, but when you're getting out into the workplace, there's a different atmosphere and you're having to almost just retrain yourself for this, you know, next opportunity and this next sort of you know, generation. I mean, it's, there's going to be so many changes with the way Zoom is now that this is the way a lot of people are going to be meeting for the first time. And like, if my dad saw this and he's probably seen it so far, he's pulling his hair out and he's like, this is not, this is not right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I mean, it was bound to happen, but, uh, you know, I, I think he instilled that in me. He was a tremendous influence, uh, coaches on the way up. Um, you know, there, there was a work ethic instilled from them and my father that I, that didn't change really. Um, and it was just a matter of, you know, learning from the people that were kind of no nonsense because I was very, I responded to negative motivation. Like if there was somebody in my face grilling me, I'd prove them wrong. You know, I do something to almost get revenge <laughs> in a way. Cause you want, you, you have that chip on your shoulder when you're trying to prove yourself anyway. But then if you're hitting that, if people are giving you that negative motivation, a lot of people respond to that. I'm that way. You know, I want to be told, you know, 
you can't do this or it's it's not in the cards because that's just going to motivate me even more and then i'll like find a new way in my head even when things are going right i'm like nah they're this two these two things over here are going wrong they need to improve you know so i'm constantly looking at new ways to to change those things and so i'd say between the coaches my father um and you know a lot of these uh business leaders like uh andy verzella ed mylett a few guys um you know on instagram that are very instrumental in, in building multi-million dollar companies just from being themselves and just for providing something better than anybody else does and wanting to win and that's the big thing for me is like it's become a winning sort of attitude in my head of like how how best can I support my family and help others at the same time? As long as I'm providing all that value, I'm winning, they're winning. We're all winning. And it's, it's creates that atmosphere for people. Whereas maybe in other industries, it doesn't. Um, but I know, you know, and, and you know, Chris, and you know, Matt, when you give that value to people, they don't forget. And because you do it twice over from what they expect and it's memorable and they'll always remember it, you know? Awesome. Well, um, Greg, I, I mean, I think just the way that you brought that home there, I mean, I, I, you know, Chris, I don't know how you're feeling about it, but I, I think that that's probably a good place to, uh, to really wrap this up. I, I even like, as you were talking, um, I was like, man, there's like a tagline in there that we could like play the clip before the episode even starts to like, you know, tease people, about what this conversation is going to be about, but Greg, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, I, I hope your dad's not too upset that we're finally reconnecting um, over <laughs> technology. Cause quite honestly, man, who the heck knows when we would have gotten that chance to do it again, had it not been for podcasts and zoom and the fact that you've utilized social media to, to build this awesome life changing business in project Sparta. Yeah. The one thing, I, one question I do want to ask, um, and, and we, we have a set of questions we usually ask um, all of our guests, but this one, I think in particular, is um, what, what set of advice, insight, or wisdom would you want to give someone who is, you know, um, e either a potential client or someone who's traveling the same path as, as, as you've gone on? Yeah, I, I, I always want to say patience is first. Like, I, I realize that we're, we are living in an age where we want stuff so quickly and we're expecting the results so quickly. And this was always, this was always the case when, you know, I was younger where even that millennial mindset was there in, in a generation X guy where I was like, Oh, why isn't this coming to me now? Where is it? You know, and for the life of me, I should have realized this, this stuff takes time. Like these, these, this way of building your brand and your, your mission and, and everything takes a lot of time to, to develop because you first have to develop your core values. You have to develop what you're about and you really have to focus on the things that light you up and the things that are going to help the world. And when I realized that I could tap into that and it's almost like looking at the it's almost like looking at the Venn diagram of life. It's like, I, I am good at this over here and good at this over here. Now, how can I combine them? Right. What's, what's in the core there. And when I realized that, that if you're just patient and you're good at something, 
you know the world needs it and there's a purpose to it and you feel that purpose every day that's that's that perfect sweet spot and if you can find that sweet spot go after it 100 percent 100 miles per hour and don't freaking stop because the first thing people are going to do when any adversity comes up and and they haven't been they haven't utilized you know those tools of having to deal with all all that adversity and they haven't learned to fail it's like they're going to give up it's like even that first thing just just push through it and and learn from it and it's it's never a win and lose scenario it's always a win and learn that was told to me you know from from dad you know it's like there's always something to learn even from the worst things in life even the biggest tragedies you're learning from it somehow there's something there a lesson right and I think that's a really important thing, just stressing the patience, you know, pushing through those losses and, and really trying to utilize every tool in your arsenal uh, and finding something that you can, you know, pinpoint right in the center of that purpose and that core uh, and just go after it. Awesome. Love it. So cool. So cool. Well, with that, Let's uh, tie a ribbon on this. And, and, and Greg, uh, on behalf of Matt and all of our listeners, we are so thankful to have you on this show. Um, if people want to find you, uh, wh- where, where can they find you? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, honestly, Facebook's probably the, the biggest because that's what I'm on the most and where I do a lot of the communication. Um, and, you know, I'm trying to live a little more on Instagram, although it's a little harder <laughs> on, a, on a different platform, but I'm just so used to the long conversations <laughs> that I have on Facebook. It's kind of hard to break yourself out of that habit. Um, and then of course, www.projectspartacoaching.com, uh, which is, you know, where you'll find all the information about the program, but also testimonials and how to sign up for it. Or you can DM me on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and trying to do a little bit more with the other platforms. But as you guys know, it's like, oh God, I got to do another platform. Damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Start I note. saw your promo video uh, of the Facebook and uh, I'm also on the TikTok. Or yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. There I was you go. almost poking fun at, at like the new thing. And I was like, oh God, does that mean I have to get one? I guess. Jesus. <laughs> See, that's where you got to get one of your clients who can't maybe afford like the full thing to be like, well, how are you at social media? You know, oh, yeah. you know there you go. Yeah. There you go. I actually haven't even thought about that. Mostly I'm utilizing like photographers that are clients mm-hmm. and things like mm-hmm. that. But like, yeah, that, Chris, that's a good idea. Hey, you know, that's the beauty of youth ministry, right? You have all these young kids who are coming up who've got these talents, but no money. And you're just like, I mean, not, not that that's not how youth ministry (laughs) works, but you know, it's like, uh, and you're just like, Hey, you got talent. Like, why don't we try this? You know? And and so there you go. You don't have to be on the TikTok or, you know, the Instagram, (laughs) uh, you just need someone, you know, who can be and promote your stuff. But, uh, but yeah, Greg, again, and we'll have all that stuff in the show notes. Um, and uh, for people to connect with Greg. And uh, again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch everybody else on the flip side. Matt, another great conversation. Uh, and uh, Man, uh, Greg was sharing some good stuff. Uh, really love, um, you know, what he was saying. And, and you know, one, one thing he said that uh, reminds me of another guest we had, Jackie, 
is that when people came to him, right, they come to him with one set of issues, right, one set of goals, but beneath that is like deeper layers, right, or, or is a deeper story. And so, um, you know, what I loved about our conversation and our time with Greg was just learning how he helps people um, peel back that shell and allow vulnerability so that they can truly grow, truly go, grow. So, um, so for me, that was a huge takeaway with Greg. How about you? Like what really resonated with you with our conversation with Greg? Well, there's a couple things, right? So the first thing is I have not like outside of social media, right? Like I have not really connected with Greg in well over a decade. You know, and, and I think our listeners obviously picked up on that and we spend a little time reminiscing, but um, the fact that he would talk about like sharing emotions with the people as they're going through them, you know, the depth to which he goes with, um, you know, with, with his um, coaching clients and like before we talked with him, I went and I watched all the testimonials and, and they're like, you could tell, I mean, they're, they're as raw as can be in, in terms of like, these aren't people that have been like coached on what to say. Like they are just coming right from the heart and they're coming from the heart because Greg comes from the heart. And, um, and so it's been really cool to have followed his journey from afar you know, in terms of Project Sparta and not know much about it and finally get to dig in and learn, um, you know, just about what, what you know, what the heck he's been doing and, and how he was able to take the leap, right? I mean, he's, he, he was, the timing lined up, but I mean, he, he still had to, he still had to make that commitment. He talked about like that pit in his stomach for like a week or two. Uh, so th that's what really resonated with me, man. And, and it was mm. just so great to reconnect with him. Yeah, 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 definitely that um, that decision to make that change, especially in the midst of the pandemic. And I know that there's like a lot of people who are probably, um, you know, facing similar stories uh, to that. And um, and so hopefully uh, if, if those who are listening, that's your story. Hopefully Greg was an inspiration and um, it, those testimonies that, you know, Greg was talking about, or that Matt was talking about, can be uh, found at uh, ProjectSpartaCoaching.com. Um, you know, and we'll of course have that show in in uh, or that link in the show notes um, uh, for people to check that out. But yeah, I mean, Greg is such a source of inspiration, and uh, um, you know, uh, I've really enjoyed having that chance to talk with him um, as well. Uh, Matt, any any final thoughts that you have in regards to our conversation with Greg? You know, I think it, it, this is just kind of to our listeners, um, you know, with the art of connecting, I think a lot of times, and, and this was something that I came across when I, I first started, um, you know, in my career change was, you know, we, we create these narratives of, should I reach out to this person? It's been so long, right? Like, do they even remember me or whatever it is? And I remember sending Greg the message that like, hey, we've got this idea for a podcast. I think you'd be a tremendous guest and I'd love to share your story. And the gratitude that immediately came back and like how quickly we got back to being able to just, you know, reminisce. Uh, it, mm -hmm. it was it was as if like the time gap 
didn't exist. And so for our listeners out there that maybe haven't talked to people in a while, but have thought about reconnecting, don't wait. It's totally cool. And you know what? There's probably more people in your life that you could connect with on a different level than you probably do in your day to day that can make all the difference. Definitely. Definitely. Well said, Matt. And, uh, yeah, um, just encouraging you guys to connect and reach out with one another. Again, one of the purposes of this podcast is to connect a million people and, and, um, and maybe those are not necessarily connecting you with our guests, but connecting you with people who are, uh, who have been a part of your life, who, um, uh, potentially can be a part of your life. And, and that's our hope, uh, for, for all of you who are listening here. Um, and again, if, if you enjoyed this conversation, we would love for you to leave uh, a five-star review, uh, whether you're listening on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere this podcast can be heard. Um, of course, uh, share uh, our podcast and our website betweenthemiles.com with your friends, your family, your neighbors, use it as an icebreaker. Um, and uh, you can always reach out to us um, by uh, going to our website betweenthemiles.com or uh, joining us on social media at Facebook or Instagram at Between the Miles. Matt. Always a pleasure doing this journey with you. For all those who are listening, thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next time. This has been a Between the Miles production. Your hosts, Chris Wesley and Matt Wells. Music provided by Jan Studio, Wide Open Road. For more information, visit our website at betweenthemiles.com.